So uh, when I was, I think I was about 15, 16, uh, I, I, went on, I went on a short-term missions trip, and we went from uh, my, my small hometown of Strathroy, Ontario, and we went all the way to the far reaches of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, it was, you know, very, it took us a long time to get there. I think it was a two and a half hour card ride. Uh, so not, nothing like these, uh, you know, the, the typical short-term missions trip where you go overseas, nothing like that. We were just there uh, doing, doing service projects. Uh, the team that I was on, we, we painted a house for somebody who uh, their house was getting run down and they weren't able to, uh, to do it themselves or, or to afford to pay somebody else to do it. So we, uh, we painted this lady's house and that was, that was it. But when, uh, when the day was over, when each workday was over, we'd go back, uh, and there was uh, a speaker that would uh, that would go through different parts of the Bible, and um, and I'm sitting there, and, and in one of those messages, I I had this sense that uh, that as this was up there talking, I was I had this this feeling that I'm like, this is what you're supposed to do, and me being you know a young uh, young guy, and you know growing up in the Christian Reformed Church where we don't hadn't really talked about the Holy Spirit much, and and you know the the belief in in the CRC is kind of that the Holy Spirit acted for the age of the church, but then you know kind of stopped working and was you know part of this thing that doesn't happen anymore. And so I didn't really know how to frame this. I so I had this this idea that like okay maybe I'm supposed to tell people about God. Okay, I didn't really know what to do with that, and uh, so I, I I just kind of ignored it. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And, and, and over the next couple of years, I ended up nearly walking away from the faith. And, and so when I, when I read the book of Jonah, I'm like, okay, I, I get this. I, I relate to this guy. I relate to this guy that's like, okay, I, I hear, God, what you want me to do, but no. I, so, so I relate to that. And um, eventually, uh, as you can tell by the fact that I'm here speaking to you this morning, I eventually agreed, and I, I followed God's call, and I, I went to Bible college. And one of my professors there was uh, a really great influence, and uh, his name was Paul Coles. And, and one of the things that I loved about Paul Coles is, if you know anything about me, I have a very dry, sarcastic sense of humor, and he, so did he, and so we got along fabulously. And uh, he had these little sayings that he would pepper into his lectures, and uh, we, we, we dubbed them coalisms. And so he would, in, in the middle of lectures, he would work them in somehow, but he would, he would say things like, is a turtle without its shell naked or homeless? Can vegetarians eat animal crackers? <laughs> that that one ruffled a few feathers. Uh, uh, he he said, uh, "Roses are reddish, violets are bluish. If it wasn't for Jesus, we'd all still be Jewish." <laughs> but but one of my my favorite coalisms, and, and this is one that's kind of stuck with me to this day, is he said, "There's no such thing as a failure in ministry because you can always be used as a bad example." I, I, and that, that's when it stuck with me. And when you read the story of Jonah, you're like, yeah, okay, I see that. Um, Jonah, we, as we're looking over the, at, over, through the book of Jonah over the next couple of weeks, we're going to really see that Jonah, in a lot of ways, is not a great example. He's kind of the guy that 
didn't do what God wanted him to do. He, and he, you know, begrudgingly did it. He's, I, I've titled this uh, series, I've subtitled it, I guess, uh, The Flawed Prophet, because he gets a lot of things wrong. Um, so, so we're going to take a look uh, through the book of Jonah over the next four weeks, and um, we're going to see how God takes this, takes this guy, takes this guy who, who doesn't do what God asks him to do and, and who is kind of begrudging and, and doesn't follow and doesn't do the things that we expect him to do, and we're going to see how God shows compassion on him. And we're going to learn about God's character along the way and see how God uses Jonah despite his failures. So uh, if, you're, if this is your first time here, you might not, uh, you might not know this, but we actually, uh, on the tablets in front of you, or if you pull out your phone and go to promisechurch.community, there's a way that you can interact with us. Uh, in the, the pink section that's titled Sunday's Message, there's a, a box there that says if you have any comments or questions about this morning's message, you can feel free to type those in and, uh, and hit submit, and we'll take a look at those uh, at the end of the message. Uh, so feel free to send in any comments or questions along the way. So before we jump into the passage this morning, I just want to uh, cover a couple little things about the book of Jonah that are going to help us understand it as we, uh, as we go through this over the next couple of weeks. So it's this very unique book. Um, there's nothing quite like it in, in the rest of the Bible. And the first thing that makes, that makes it unique is that in the book of, of Jonah, it's the only prophetic book that talks about the actual prophet himself instead of the message. So if you're familiar with the story of Jonah, you know that uh, Jonah is, God tells Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh uh, and and to preach there. And uh, the story of Jonah, we actually see a lot of it is his story. But there's another prophet uh, that God also sent to Nineveh. Uh, His name was Nahum. And, And this is how Nahum's book reads. An oracle concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum of Elkosh. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps his wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before him and the world and all who dwell in it. So, you know, you get the point. It's a lot of the other prophetic books just launch right into, here's what God says. Here is the word of God. But the book of Jonah, we don't see a whole lot of that. We see more of his story. We actually get insight into the, the character of the prophet himself. And it's, uh, it's something that sets the book of, of Jonah apart. Uh, and the second thing that really makes the book of, of Jonah unique uh, is that the story is a, a literary genre we actually don't see anywhere else in the Bible. It's actually a satire. And it, if you're familiar with satire, you, you know, maybe you've watched uh, The Office or, or Parks and Recreation, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. A lot of those shows are, are satires. Uh, and if you're unfamiliar with how satire works, uh, what a good satire will do is it'll take the story of, of a well-known figure uh, who gets thrown into extraordinary circumstances. Uh, and, and the story uses humor and, uh, and irony to, to critique the stupidity or the, uh, the character flaws of the, the person in the story. And, and so this is actually what we see in the book of Jonah. We actually see that this is, again, we're holding Jonah up as this is a story in the Bible, but it's not necessarily a good example. We see Jonah go through some, some crazy stuff, and we use that to, to look at his character and see, uh, see through him 
we actually see into a mirror that we look at our own character flaws. We look at the things that Jonah does and and we go, oh, I would never do that. But then when we actually sit down and think about it, we can see ourselves in in this flawed prophet. We can see ourselves through the story of, of this guy who who doesn't always get it right. And so uh, so this morning we're going to jump in. We're going to read uh, the first chapter of Jonah. And uh, as we're going through this series, I encourage you to read the book for yourself. It's, you know, it's two pages. It's not very long. Uh, takes 15, 20 minutes to read. And uh, so if you've got some time, I, I encourage you to read this and, and as we go through this uh, so that you have a, a good example or a good uh, idea of what's going on. Uh, so we're going to read the passage this morning. Uh, Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose, and flee, uh, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So one of the one of the things that you, you see in this story is that there there are a number of different characters that that we see in the story, and none of them act the way we think that they should. First off, you, you see Jonah. You see this guy uh, who he's a prophet. He's following God. We we actually see another account of him in. Uh, uh, I believe it's in Chronicles that he uh, he is known for being a prophet. He advises the king on, on a matter. And 
So we know he's following God. We know he's a guy that trusts God. And if we uh, look at it in, in the light of the, uh, the experiential discipleship process that, that we talk about here at Promise Church, you can see that he's, he's kind of through these following and trust stages. He, we know that he's following God. We know that he is somebody who has given his life to do what God wants him to do. But then he gets this, this point where he realizes, where, where he has this question, and, and God gives him something to do, and he goes, yeah, I don't know about that. And so when we look, about, when we look at questions uh, and, and the, the cycle of experiential discipleship, this is a great example of somebody who, who's questioning the will of God and, and questioning, is this something that I'm really going to follow? And, and so he runs. It, it's, as we, we look at the story, we expect him to be like, okay, God, I'm going to go do what you tell me. But, but no, he, he does the opposite. And uh, I, I always thought that Jonah just kind of went the opposite direction. I, I never really fully understood the, uh, the extent to which he ran. Uh, I, I discovered, you know, geography is not one of my strong suits. Uh, Rob and I were, were chatting in the office this week, and we were talking about uh, a country, and I was convinced it was in Africa. Turns out it's in South America. I'm just bad at geography, and so I, I never really thought about this. I, I just kind of always assumed that, like, he goes onto the ship, and he just goes the, down the coast the other direction of, of Nineveh. And then I actually looked at a map, and I was like, oh, Nineveh's in the middle of the desert. It's landlocked. So he's not just like, okay, I'm just going to go the opposite direction. He's really going for it. Uh, he, he goes out on the Mediterranean, and if you know anything about, uh, about the sea and, and what the sea represents in a lot of uh, ancient mythology, even what, uh, what the Israelites believed about the sea, the sea actually represents chaos and disorder. And so Jonah, he's like, he's really going for it. He's going to the sea instead of inland. He's going as far away from God as he can possibly get. Uh, the, the ironic thing about it is that he actually goes to the sea that later on he credits God for creating. And he's trying to get away from God. And he goes to the sea that he's like, yeah, God created this. I don't know why he thought he could get away from God uh, by doing that. But we see that, that he, he just runs. He's like, I, no, uh, God, I'm not going to do the, this thing that you're asking me to do. But then we also look at uh, the, the other characters in, in this part of the story. We look at the sailors. And, and they don't act the way we expect them to either. So it, it's actually the sailors that in, in this story, they're the ones that pray to God. We never see Jonah in, in this part of the story. We don't see him pray. We don't see, uh, see him asking to, to save the people. We, we just see the sailors doing that. And, and we see them showing compassion and them going, okay, like, how far can we go? Like, how much can we do before we get to the point where we have to throw these guy, this guy into the sea? Because they know that in, in, this, in the sea, especially in a storm, being in the water is a dangerous place to be. And in a storm like that, it would be basically certain death to throw Jonah into the sea. So they do everything in their power before they, uh, before they get to that point. And for, for a first century audience, or, or for the, the audience of the, the people of the time, for the Israelites, this would have been a, a big deal because these were pagan sailors. These were not Israelites. These were the other people, the people that 
that are, you know, rough and tumble and, and we're maybe not supposed to associate with them. Uh, they're, they're the rough ones. They're the people that we don't expect to show compassion. They're the people that we don't expect to, uh, to do all that they can to, to save this, this person. So when we, when we look at this, again, coming back to that, that satirical nature of this story, we see, we look at our, we, we have to examine ourselves. And, and as we look at this story of Jonah, as we see what he does and, and we, we look at him, we kind of, like I said earlier, we can see ourselves in his story. We can identify with, uh, with Jonah and, and see how we're prone to the same shortfalls. We, uh, we all know that uh, we have a sinful nature. We, we, ha- we act in ways that sometimes goes against what God wants us to do. We, we're prone to do the same thing. We're prone to run from the will of God. And, and we can negative rela- negatively react to what God is asking us to do, what God wants from us. And, and there are a number of things that, that could cause that. Uh, it might be, might be fear. It might be that God's calling you to do something that is like, okay, this is, this is way bigger than me. I could never do this. If you had asked me uh, a number of years ago whether I would go into ministry, plant a church, I would have laughed. I did not see this one coming. That This is something that if God had, you know, 15 years ago said to me, you know, you're going to go, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to plant a church, I would have not believed it in the slightest. I, I would have run from that. <laughs> to be completely honest, I, it's, I see myself in Jonah's story, and I, and I say, you know what, if, I, if God had shown me the entire thing from day one, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, and, and so for me, this, sometimes that's a struggle. Sometimes I want to see the entire plan. Sometimes I want to see all of it. Uh, but God in his grace shows me only a little bit, of a, ti- little bit at a time so I don't freak out and run away from it. Um, but it might be fear that, that's holding you back. It might be discomfort that God's asking you to do something that maybe you're like, oh, that doesn't sit right with me. It might be that God's calling you to, to talk to somebody even just something as simple as, as, you know, seeing your neighbor in their yard and just across the fence having a conversation with them and telling them even the simplest thing, like, God cares about you. Sometimes it just might make us uncomfortable. Sometimes, if we're honest, it's just apathy. Sometimes God calls us to do stuff and we're like, yeah, I, I, I just don't care. But through, through this story, through the story of Jonah, we actually see that God shows compassion in spite of our weaken, weakness, in spite of our failings, in spite of our flaws. So in this story, we actually see how uh, through Jonah's failure, through, uh, through his running, God still uses him. Uh, and we're going to talk more about this as, uh, over the next couple of weeks as we read the rest of the story. But in this part, in chapter one here, God, God uses Jonah to, to introduce himself to this entire uh, crew of sailors. A literal boatload of people heard about God because of Jonah's weakness, because of his failure. And, and they, in turn, actually reflect God's compassion. Like I said, it, it's, 
it's one of those things that we don't expect, the, we, the sailors act in a way that we don't expect. They're the ones that, uh, that show compassion on Jonah. They, they try, like I said, everything that they possibly can. They throw the cargo overboard. They row as hard as they can to try and get to shore so that they don't have to throw this guy to his death. And so we see through them, we see these, uh, through these sailors, like, you know, sailors are typically de- depicted as, like, rough people, you know. We have a, a, a phrase, like, c- that they curse like a sailor for a reason, that sailors are typically, when we, when we think about them, they're typically rough people. Uh, and, and God shows his compassion through them. And it's reflected in their actions. And, and in return, God actually shows compassion on the sailors as well. We see through, through the story, once they, once they throw Jonah into the, into the Mediterranean, uh, the storm calms instantly. And, and God is showing compassion. All of the sailors are spared, and they, they turn to God. We actually see the, the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. God shows compassion on these guys that the Israelites might not have. And most of all, we actually see God shows compassion on Jonah. He takes this, this guy who, who's flawed and broken and doesn't always get things right, and, and he says, I am still going to use you. And, and again, we're going to cover more of this as, as we go through this over the next couple of weeks. But God shows his compassion on Jonah by sparing his life, by giving him a second chance. So God sends this, uh, this fish to, to save Jonah, to spare him, from drowning. And, and the beautiful thing that we see here is that just as God shows compassion on Jonah in, in his rebellion, he shows that same compassion to us. He shows that to us when, when we fail, when we run from what God wants us to do. He shows it to us when we rebel against what God is calling us to do. So, when we have these, the, these times that, that we know what God is asking us to do, when we know that God is, is calling us into bigger things, into maybe sometimes scary things or, or uncomfortable things, we know how we ought to act, but sometimes we run, and God shows compassion on us in the midst of that. And really... God does at times call us into uncomfortable things. One of the things that makes me uncomfortable is is calling people out. And uh, if you know anything about uh, uh, a spiritual tool called the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 9. I don't like calling people out. I don't like conflict. Um, But in my preparation for this, God called me to do something for me that's uncomfortable. And he's calling me to say, there's somebody in this room that's running from God. We've just come through this series about, uh, about being pushed out and, and going out into our community, going beyond the four walls uh, of our church, of this building, and being God's light in our community. And, and I know somebody here, somebody that's sitting in the room this morning, I know you heard from God, and you're going the other direction. You know what God's called you to do, and you're running from it. I don't know who it is, but God just put it on my heart to say that this morning, that somebody here is running. Now the good news is, 
as, as we see in the book of Jonah, God gives us second chances. God takes us in our rebellion, in our flawed nature, and he uses us anyway. He uses us in ways that we, uh, that we don't necessarily expect, that we don't fully understand all the time. But he takes us and he will use us. And God's compassion is, is available to you, whether you're, whether you're here and you're, you're smack dab in the middle of what God wants you to do, or whether it's something that you've heard and you're like, nah, I'm going to go the other way. God's compassion is available to you. You can still return to what God wants you to do. And so, as we, as we are pushed out, as we're going beyond the walls, we, we see that God has compassion for us for us as broken people. And he has compassion for the broken people in the world. And so maybe God's calling us to something that's uncomfortable or scary, but I I can speak from experience for myself that being in the middle of the will of God is the best possible place for you. So whatever it is that, that God's asking you to do, whether it's something as simple as telling your neighbor God loves them, telling your coworker there's hope, or whether it's, it's something as big as planting a church or going overseas to, to do missions work, whatever it is, whatever God's asking you to do, I encourage you this morning, go for it because there's no better place for you to be. I've also learned that when you go the other direction, it doesn't always work out so well. Jonah goes through this ordeal where he, he ends up being thrown into the ocean. He could have avoided all of that just by going the way God wanted to, God wanted him to in the beginning. And, and looking at my own story, looking at my own uh, rebellion, my own walking away from God, I can, I can say that it is so much better to be where God wants you to be. So this morning I'm going to take a look to see uh, if we've got any comments or questions. All right. Is it important that Jonah was an asparagus? Uh, somebody's been watching VeggieTales. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think that that's super important, but if it helps you picture uh, the story of Jonah, sure, I'll allow you to have that, uh, that mental picture of him. Uh, so running is caused by fear. Fear is a liar. It's so important that we rise above it and trust God. We are more than our circumstances. God's will needs to be our will. I've been Jonah so many times in my life, and God has shown me patience and great love and compassion. Absolutely. P- running is caused by fear. Fear is a liar. Absolutely. I could not agree with that more. And it's interesting that God uses Jonah's rebellion and disobedience to introduce God to people, the sailors, that might otherwise never know him. Absolutely. I, it's, it's one of those things that, it's, it's interesting to see how, how God takes us in, in the things that sometimes where we, we don't do what God wants us to do. And he uses us anyway to do different things. And, and that's great. Uh, and then you kind of, sometimes you kind of wonder, it's like, but God knows everything, so did he plan for Jonah to go the other direction? And you can go into all sorts of theological uh, 
roundabouts and, and questions and, and all these different things where uh, you can get it, you can go down a, a theological rabbit hole uh, to and end up who knows where. But yeah, absolutely, God can use us whether we're willing or not. He has that ability, and and that's one of the beautiful things. But like I said, I I find uh, from personal experience, it's way better to go the the right way the first time. Uh, and we're gonna continue looking at that, uh, looking at how that played out in Jonah's life over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so this morning, as uh, as the band comes back up, I wanna just take one take one moment to to just pose a question to you that as we as we look at this story, as we see the story of Jonah and the nature of the story calls us to examine ourselves. I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you running from God or are you running to God? Are you stepping forward into the things that God is calling you to do? Or are you going the other direction? Maybe you're just stuck and you're standing still unsure of which direction to go. But are you running to God or are you running from him? Let's pray. God, this morning we, we look at this story and we see your compassion throughout. We see you show compassion on flawed and broken people. And God, when we, when we examine ourselves, we, we understand our own brokenness and our own flawed nature. And God, this morning, we, we know that you show compassion on us. You use us anyway. You love us anyway. And we rest in that hope. We rest in that assurance that even though we, we aren't perfect, that as we follow you, as we step into the things that, uh, that you want us to do, God, that you refine us, that you make us better. That as, as we step into these things, you, you do work in us to make us more like yourself. And you do the work in us to help us foreshadow what that looks like when your kingdom is in full effect. So God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for the mercy that you show on us despite our brokenness. And we give ourselves once more to you to say, do what you want with us. Send me where you want to send me. And God, use us again. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.